you were basically just acting on another dopamine drip that you were then trying to enact. <laughs> don't you, don't you go there, you <laughs> son of a bitch. You were just enacting it you, through. You keep my Cheetos out of this. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 92 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the refactory. I'm Sam and I'm the nudist. And today, today is April 4th, <laughs> 2017. Mm. Warning, anything can happen on this show, there's going to be profanity, there's going to be, we're going to talk about all kinds of things, we're going to talk about life, it's going to get mm-hmm. deep, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to struggle with some difficult concepts. So if you can't swim... Get out. Go take some swimming lessons. Also, if yeah. you're a baby or a child or uh, an adult who doesn't like swears. Yeah, then get out of here. All right. What happened this week, brothers? Huh. Many things. All right. So first off, know. first off, this past week, uh, Sam's GDC talk has become available on the Utes. The YouTubes. Yeah. Um, it's racking up. It's racking up some views. How many we got today? I think 25,000. It's pretty good. Slowing down, though. It's weird that... Uh, because I gave the talk, and there's like 80-ish people in the room, probably, 60 or 80. You room. were competing against a talk in an enormous room mm-hmm. that had a line going, like, out the fucking door yeah. forever. So, yeah, it's kind of it's hard to compete with. But it's weird, because you got you to gotta think about this whenever you give a talk and it's recorded. Yeah. Is that you're actually giving a talk to a stadium. You just don't know it yet. There's yeah. no limit to the You give a talk to the whole world. So make sure it's pretty good. And mm-hmm. I think that's been freaking me out a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that's been really going really well. But the, the coolest things actually, I've been getting just a shitload of notes from people about are people the, writing in? Yeah, about yeah. all the crazy stuff that they're going through. Oh, is, is your email address at the end of that talk? It is. <laughs> Shit, which may have been a poor choice <laughs> in retrospect. Um, but I'm getting yeah, I got I don't know, like a dozen notes over the weekend from people. You got two factor authentication set up, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> so but yeah, so uh, so I'm getting a bunch of notes from people that. Just, I think it's the sort of thing where people start sharing, right? If, yeah, yeah. if you share, then people share back, and and that's been really intense. It's a good way. I mean, I wake up, I guess basically I have one in the inbox pretty much every day at least. So I wake up and I read this like real intense, heartfelt thing from someone. I'm like, oh, it's like a good way to start the day, and also kind of a <laughs> bad way. To start way. The day. Yeah, maybe it's like I wasn't ready to feel these feelings. Maybe read it over lunch. That yeah, way you can go through the morning in kind of a emotionless stupor, you know, <laughs> uh, like, like a normal person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's been it's been really incredible. So so everybody who's sent a note in, uh, thanks a bunch. Well, so so we also got a message, uh, a podcast question, mm-hmm. which comes from podcast.bsketch.net. You can go there and ask with your bsketch ID. Yeah. Uh, this question comes from Flame It Kermit, who says, "This is for Sierm, which is that is my name. Sam, don't wear it out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's my, I think he has an accent. So uh, this Wait, is Sam, for Sierm. <laughs> That's why he says Sam instead of Sierm. <laughs> Uh, did you know that when you type in butterscotch shenanigans to Google, one of the first autocompletes is cancer? <laughs> Are you happy about this well, no. uh, because of popularity <laughs> or unhappy because the first thing people associate you with is cancer? And I think we should backtrack and point out that your GDC talk is about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the Which probably just makes it even probably makes it even worse. Problem. So yeah. well, I guess first I'd say I'm not happy about the cancer fact, which would back it up all the way. You know, Wait, so you're that, saying you did not enjoy having cancer. I would put it as one of the least enjoyable activities huh. I have participated. Probably in. the like, more you learn, you know, probably like <laughs> bottom three. Yeah, bottom yeah. three at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so there's that. But I think I don't know. I think this is an interesting question um, because there's always and we talked about this a little bit in the past with the 
the concept of a sob story. Yeah. Um, which is, it's really interesting when you share, when you share the personal side of something, I think this is, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it, but, but we have this tendency to, I think kind of just like hate companies so much that when they share a personal story, then it's just the idea that they're, it's just a trying, marketing yeah, angle. Yeah, they're trying <laughs> to like fuck with you or like market or, yeah. uh, you know, get your, get your feelings all wrapped up. Um, as opposed to it being able to, being able to just be a thing where you get to connect with another person. Um, so I haven't gotten angry. I haven't gotten any angry notes yet from the crash sense talk from people being like, fuck you for sharing this. I'm sure there's because people don't, coming. people don't send notes about that. They leave comments. Right. Right. It's so like, if you go to, if you go it's to, a, it's a lot safer for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my favorite one is in the, they're not going to open up thing. a direct communication line with you. They're yeah. just going to drop an asshole comment on like yeah. a, an article and then run a fleeing screaming. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is like on the video, you know, you, like in the comments, the co- it's just like a barrage of people being like, Oh my God, this is fantastic. You know? And then, just like one comment in the middle is just like, too bad the game's shit. Yeah, I you saw know? that. I wanted to respond and be like, too bad your character's shit, you fucking yeah. face. Yeah, but yeah, you got to work on your personality. But it, but it already is. Like, that person already has a terrible life, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't need to point it out. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, but I think, yeah, just move on. So with regards to sort of it being tied, the cancer story being tied to Crashlands in the studio, um, I mean, I think it's a hard thing because it's like, if, if we didn't talk about it, then we're not actually sharing a lot of what the dev cycle was like with that game. A lot of what the influences were, a lot of what was going on and how we built it and why we made the game. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you remove that context from the whole thing at all and have it make any sort of sense? And I think my, my hope is that within the next, you know, three to five years or so that this is simply a, a thing that has a thing that happened to us and a thing that was done. But currently um, because crash ends are sort of our big success, it is, very much tied to the studio. The goal is, of course, to make a bunch of other badass stuff. So it's, it's kind of just like what it is right now. But I, I mean, how do you guys feel about it? I think this is something I've always been curious about. Um, well, I, I think it, it to me it makes sense, especially when a team of this size, um, mm-hmm. three of us made Crashlands, which means uh, one third of the studio was going through this directly. And also we're family. So our family was going through mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, it's... There, there's no way to disentangle that because when you're making a game, especially with this small of a team, you're, you're putting yourself into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's something that people say to say to me quite often. I don't know if you guys get this as well, but people say, you know, like I can hear you guys when I read the dialogue, yeah. you know, a lot of people um, have met us and chatted with us or heard the podcast. So yeah. Once you read the narrative, you're like, okay. I see yeah. where this came and, from. And the idea is like, you know, it's the game, the game doesn't just, it's not like we form a company and then the, and then somehow like the LLC just produces a video game. Like it's us making right. the game under the name of the company. And, uh, we put ourselves into it. We put our, our life experiences into it and you just can't escape the fact that whatever it is that's really important to you or whatever's happening in your life is going to end up in percolating there. into the game mm-hmm. somehow, whether it comes out as a positive or a negative or whatever. Um, but that's just the way it is. And so, yeah, I think, at, well, I think you're right though. At the moment, because Crashlands is the big thing, um, then that's, that's where, that's, all there that's is. where it goes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, well, as also, we, I mean, the studio is also synonymous with Crashlands. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it will be for, until for the some next, time. And so yeah. since all these things are synonymous until to like each other, next by the transitive property. Or, right. Then that's, yeah. So, you know, yeah. Over the next couple of years, you know, it'll, it'll just be the case that this is a, a footnote in the mm-hmm. backstory of the studio. 
you know, once once we have a Wikipedia page, which we currently we don't. we don't yet. Uh, <laughs> For some so reason. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think maybe our podcast because like we can't make our own Wikipedia page. Apparently, that's it's against, too self indulgent. Against the rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe one or two of our podcast <laughs> listeners should uh, jump on. <laughs> I mean, I think it, you mean overall. So Crashlands uh, has a Wikipedia page. Yeah, it does. But our studio does not. Well, Crash, Crashlands <laughs> has far more fans than our than our studio. That's true. Is. That's true. But yeah, I think overall, it's uh, it's simply a fact of where we're at right now in the sort of in the timeline that these things are all bound together. Um, well, I also think I just think there's no reason to to separate them or pretend they're separate because yeah, everything is made by people, and and I think they're. It's important to remember that when you're using stuff or interacting with a thing or even just out in the world, you know. Because you can get angry at a particular person. Like well, actually, no, it's, it's not even that. It's that it's sticky that. keys guy. <laughs> sticky keys. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that. Hey, you want to turn on sticky keys? No. I've had that thing <laughs> off for so long. I don't. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, somebody, there was a person who made that decision, right? right. And they, they had some thought process going on. They had shit going on in their lives. And, uh, so for me, it's not about saying, well, now I have somebody to be angry at, right? It's about saying, I have no right to be angry about this. Like some, you know, somebody, somebody right. did this unless they were out to be an asshole, which some people are. Right? Arguably I was by getting cancer. I mean, let's be real, you know? Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> but unless somebody's dick you know, out to you be just an wanted asshole, to sell some games <laughs> in some way, then it's an elaborate scheme. Then it's a, <laughs> then it's a good thing just to just to recognize that people made stuff and that that's actually interesting and that you can't, you can't pull people out of the stuff that they have made. And, and right. then again, why would you want to? Well, I think the other thing is there's the part of the reason it's so bound up is because there's always the question from a design standpoint. Um, journalists always ask the question, well, what, what, why, what prompted you to make this game? Like why this game? Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like it. It just felt like making a huge game that I didn't think I could make. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, I it's, think it's uh, you know I, we get, you get a lot of requests to uh, disen- I guess disentangle the the personal element from or the human element. They refer to it as the human element, right? Yeah. In terms of when you talk about these things, um, it's sort of it's always brushed over or it's just not even covered, and you don't need. To which do is that. weird because like what other element is there really? Anyway, the sweet games. Uh, yeah, sweet we don't grand. we don't yet have robots <laughs> making our games. Well, yeah. kind of. Once we do, then we can stop. Talking we have about robots that that do parts of our game. They assist. They hiss. They assist. Robotic Robotically assisted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So next uh, next news item is another personal. It's another human side mm, story. Yeah. Which is that Let's dig deep. Which is that uh pop pop. Oh Costa. yeah. Okay. Let me just. Well, I'll take this one. So. <laughs> So I asked, uh, I asked her dad if I could share the story. Uh, he said, he said yes, and then he laughed a bunch, and then apparently he got his new glasses because his other ones broke. So here we go. As, so as a consequence of the story, yeah. About so last week, uh, dad was with, uh, with dad two in the living room, and dad two was talking to Adam's wife on the phone. And they were cackling away and having a good time, being very loud. And so dad was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step away. I'm gonna play catch with the dog. So he grabs the dog's toy and starts throwing this toy back and forth, playing fetch with the dog. And during this process, in he another walks, room. Yeah, he walks yeah. to uh, the room. Basically, it's eight feet away. It's the other room. Uh, so he can no longer, there's no eye contact. He can't see dad number two talking on the phone, laughing, having a good time. It's just him throwing this ball at this dog. And at one point, the dog brings the ball back and dad, you know, sort of wanting to save some energy. is like, I'm not going to pick it up. I'm just going to kick it. I'm just going to kick the ball to play fetch with this dog. <laughs> so he, he kicks and then... He wakes up horizontal (laughs) (laughs) and he's like, he said he was just confused and stunned. And he's just like looking around like, what the fuck? I'm on the ground. Like what happened? 
and he reaches back and there's blood coming out of his face. And, <laughs> and what had happened was when he went to kick the ball, he, uh, <laughs> they just like buffed the floors and he was wearing socks. <laughs> so, Slick as shit. So I think the, the way he describes it, I think he must have kicked and then, you know, he lost his second, his other leg in the process of the swing. Yeah. And but sort of spun to catch himself, but didn't catch himself, and so just face planted <laughs> into the hardwood floor. Uh, Ow! Woke up, you know, moments later, sometime later. Kevin, or sorry, Dad Number Two is still just carrying on in the living room. Uh, no response. <laughs> and so he wake, he, he wakes so up. He didn't, he didn't hear the loud crack of a skull of a hitting skull hitting the hardwood floor. <laughs> and so he wakes up. And he doesn't want to go in the other room because he's covered in blood. Because if you've ever gotten a head wound before, they bleed a lot. Uh, Even if it's just a small cut. It's very startling to see. Yes. And so he doesn't want to just walk into the other room and just terrify dad number two. (laughs) So he he gets up and then he just goes and he takes care of his head, gets it cleaned up, cleans off the blood, uh, gets an ice pack. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, now he comes back and sits down and uh, dad number two looks over. He's like, what happened to you? (laughs) (laughs) He said, you know, I could have just, I could have just died on the floor eight feet away. Could have. Could have. It's tough. Uh, But his glasses did shatter (laughs) the process. (laughs) Yeah. He just spun and face planted from kicking this, this dog ball. This is the worry though. You know, if you, if you're living by yourself, like what happens? Yeah. You Mm -hmm. just face plant. Or if you're living with someone who's carrying on with the conversation. Yeah. You're living with a dog and the dog always wants you to play and then you become grievously wounded. Yeah. You know? Well, I think the funny thing is because our dad sort of raised us on uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, which are basically the fail videos from back in the day. It's just this. It's just this. Yeah. But he's never, (laughs) he said he's never actually had one of those falls before. This was his like first one. Oh no. And is he no does longer- he still think it's funny? <laughs> he, said, he said, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, once, once you're done with the pain, you're making sure you're not concussed and all that stuff. As long, yeah, as long as there's no permanent damage. Yeah, it's hilarious. Then you're, you're fine. So, yeah, he's in good spirits. Yeah. Uh, all right, so other news <laughs> is that there's some changes coming to the Steam store. Yeah. That's the Steam store. Yeah, the Steam store. So uh, Total Biscuit put up a video yesterday, which is an hour-long um I'll give you the highlights, which I think are also being propagated all over the place now. But basically, he and uh, Jim Sterling, who are two popular YouTubers, got to go to Valve and essentially have this long-form, like, seven-hour meeting um, with the Valve and the Steam team to Steam team to talk about uh, a lot of stuff on the Steam store, and the principal one being uh, a lot of the changes coming forward. So one of them is that so there are curators currently on Steam. You might not know it because they're not really handled very well. It doesn't well. do anything. It doesn't really. do anything. What's a curator? But a curator on Steam is essentially someone in the in the case like a YouTuber or even us. Uh, we could start a curation page where we we select games that we think are of high value. You could follow us, and then therefore you get recommendations from us about what games to buy and play. Right. So it has a really good tie-in with with YouTubers, with any sort of influencer community, um, and also with studios studios at large. And what the changes are they're going to be making is again to sort of keep on trying to fight this discoverability issue beyond something like Steam Direct is uh, they're putting a lot more or they're, they're planning on putting a lot more emphasis on the curation pages and opening up the ability for people to join what's called the Steam Explorers program. So you could, as an individual user, you could just sign up and uh, there's usually a limit on how many refunds you can use, I think like per month or per week or something like that. And they essentially, they'll give you a free refund and then you can essentially be in charge. Like your job is to essentially find hidden gems. So games, basically what they do is they find games uh, via all the data they have that are very highly rated, but don't have a lot of sales. Sort of like ne- the ones that like never got 
to whatever that critical mass is to really sort of kick it. And, and then they serve those up to people based on whatever those people's interests are. Um, and so you become this sort of, so you as a player, you find a a handful of curators who seem to share Mm -hmm. your taste Yeah, and then you, you follow them and then you no longer have to worry about when I go to the storefront, it doesn't always have stuff that I want to see right. or whatever. Cause you now have trusted individuals who are right. going to tell you about good games. And then the idea with the steam explorers program on the other side is that no longer is it just the case that if your game essentially didn't do well at launch, which is currently a, a huge reality and a huge problem that you're fucked permanently. Yeah. Um, so the idea is to, to sort of crowdsource this is what they're doing. They're crowdsourcing the quality control, right? Well, I've been, so I've been thinking about this in tandem with, mm-hmm the uh, a potential upcoming Twitch changes. Yes. Where basically, so, yeah. so because well, the, the question with the, we cu- add one, yeah, yeah, one piece here, which is that the, the last thing they're doing is they're adding a ton of visible, completely visible data to both the store pages and to the curation pages. So curators will now know how many people move to a store page from their curation page, from the recommendation. And this is an important sort of segue to. Cause the question, cause the question is, um, so, so on Twitch, there was the, the idea of like Amazon selling. So Amazon owns Twitch mm-hmm. and the idea of Amazon now, uh, allowing sales of games through a Twitch stream where if somebody's playing a particular game, then that person essentially becomes a salesperson for that game. And so if somebody buys the game through the Twitch stream, then the streamer will get a small cut mm-hmm. of the, of it's the 5%, sale. I believe. Yeah, 5% or something like that. So so the question is, is is this where Steam is going to go? Um, because it seems like that's the so. next yeah. logical step is basically by being a curator, you point people at a game. If they buy it, then, then you get a, a piece of the pie, mm-hmm. right? And so this actually opens up an entirely new profession, yeah. which is a game salesperson. Yeah. Right? So- you could be a prospector. You could literally be a prospector, right? Yeah, because so there's a, there's an this is this is capitalism at work here, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a market problem, which mm-hmm. is there's lots of good games out there, but now there's so many that nobody knows how to find the one that they want. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you're like, oh, I need to get a new car. There's a lot of cars out there, yeah. right? What do you do? You go talk to a car salesperson, right? And then they tell you all the different things, and then they try to get you to buy shit, right? Mm-hmm. So similarly now we have a, we have a new profession emerging from the muck yeah. of just there being hundreds of thousands of games coming out yeah. of here. What was it on mobile? 270,000 games came out last year mm-hmm. um, on steam. Not even close to that many, but mm-hmm. you know, 4,000. Yeah. yeah. So the idea here is there's going to be people who, yeah, there's entertainers like Twitch streamers. You've got let's players on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- these are people who have built their careers around being an entertainment figure around games um, now you're going to have people whose job is to just find good games yeah. and recommend them. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's going to be real interesting. Really? Well, interesting. it's particularly interesting because that job does already exist. Yeah. In, in, uh, news sites, right. That try to surface good stuff. Well, no, because they review games. Yeah. They also review stuff. And right? they, and they will give bad reviews, right? Yeah. As a salesperson, you're supposed to give bad reviews. Yeah, you're yeah. supposed, you're making money off of it. But, but you also so, have to be a trusted salesperson, right? Which means yes. that you can't, you, you can't only recommend give bad good stuff. reviews, but they're also supposed to be trustworthy reviews. Yeah. Well, you, you just don't, well, you just don't talk about bad stuff as a exactly, salesperson. Right. You're just like, you know, well, I think it's a, it's an interesting, uh, second piece, I think to the overall review puzzle problem, which is, you know, a lot of the, uh, like a lot of the marketing, Money has dried up on, on the internet, and so in the past couple of years, and so um, games review sites have been having a hell of a time. And if you look at this on the same the same sort of side, where they say, okay, you know, anything that that achieves a score, say over like seven on our as a review from our main website, we'll put on our curation page or something like that. Um, 
then they have this nice sort of virtuous right. circle, right? Where they, they're right. a trusted news source. And people don't have to read about bad games. Why yeah, you you're just like, to? oh, these are the good games. And then and then they're adding all these uh, tag sorting features and all this other stuff. So you can actually go into a curation page and say, what does PC Gamer, for example, recommend with regard to RPG games? What are their top 10? Um, and they're adding a bundling thing. So if you're a curator also, you can essentially put together a list of like your top 10 games in any given category. It'd be interesting too if then as a player I could go and be like, I just want to buy that whole bundle. Yes, that's you know? what I think that's yeah. what they're going to do. And they're talking about <laughs> doing bundle sales and all this stuff. So so it's interesting. They're, they're essentially making much more of an ecosystem, right? They're adding another player. Well, the reason this works, though, is because Steam has decided to act as a producer of infrastructure. Correct. Right? Because they're the only move, way you can- away from content. Yeah, the creation. only way you can develop a, a, a new market that allows basically capitalism, free market economics to come into play on top of it, where you can get true competition and, and surface mm-hmm. new professions and sources of, of revenue and all this kind of stuff- is by building infrastructure yep, and then setting people free on top of it and just see what happens, well, right? The other it's kind of like what EVE Online does with its game. Yeah. It does exactly the same thing, yeah. right? It builds they're, like, we don't know, they're like, we don't know how to make a good game. We'll yeah. just put tools in place. We just put the, the, the players, in. Let yeah. the players make a game out well, of it. The interesting <laughs> thing about it is that they're they're moving away from, this is a huge thing for uh, for indies in particular. Uh, so the, the key stealing problem is a, or key fraud is a huge issue where uh, like when Crashlands launched, we get thousands of emails requesting keys from us. Um, people who are acting like they're huge YouTubers or who just weren't acting like it, but just figured we wouldn't look or ask them, who the fuck are you? Why do you want this game for free? Um, and this and, is a huge and problem. And then they turn around and resell that exactly. key. So those keys on get resold G2A. on everything else. Yeah. So there's essentially this gray market economy, as we refer to it, um, where it's not quite illegal, but you're definitely, you're fr- it's, it's unethical. Yeah. Um, and so the nice thing is with this this next thing, what they're going to be doing is allowing us to, for example, on our end, when we launch a new game, we would be able to search uh, for curators who uh, you know have covered a particular genre of game, and then we can just send them the game directly through Steam without a code, which means the code economy, that sort of gray market code economy is going to dry up considerably because most of it comes from uh, people defrauding people during uh, launch season. Well, it's all on the platform anyway, which means also everybody who you would normally be sending a key to is now going to end up having to exist yeah. as a player in this new ecosystem. Right. And so, yes, that just goes away. So yeah, it's going to have some pretty cool, yeah. broad impacts. I think um, we should start a curation page, guys. We've got to get in on this. I don't know. We've got a lot Wait, of if stuff we sell, to do. We'll just put Crashland. Here's a question. It. If we sell one of our own games... Do we get a do cut? Do we get the extra 5%? <laughs> presumably. Because it comes out of their, presumably it comes out of their 30 Yeah, well, I mean, cut. but think of the rationale for this, right? Is is that the percentage that the store gets is basically their contribution for, for doing the infrastructure the, the market. Right? It's, yeah. it's the infrastructure plus then marketing, mm-hmm. so plus surfacing of your game. But if you take, this, this is why Steam also just lets us sell keys. Right. Without without giving them a cut, right? Because they don't. Because what we're doing in that case is we're we're selling the game ourselves. They're not doing the work, and we're bringing customers to them to their platform. Mm-hmm. Which means if they have to pay a little extra now because they're doing handling the downloads and all that kind of stuff, right? That cost is small relative to bringing players to their to their group. So they're willing to eat eat that you know penny. Right. They're willing to eat that little bit exactly because it, it, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't hurt them any really. Less than yeah. a penny, but it yeah. doesn't hurt them any, and they also know that they can sell way more copies of a game than we can. Yeah. So it comes out in their favor. And it's the same deal here. If if you know their their cut includes basically marketing and surfacing the game, mm-hmm. but they can only do that with a small subset of games. Right. Um, and they're doing with their statistical stuff. They're doing a good job of doing that better and surfacing more games. But if we can surface it ourselves, then yeah, we should be able to get more of our cut back. Right. Right. Uh, and that's how that's how most things either should or ought to work, or right. should or do work, depending on on what the thing is. Yeah, so this so this it's exciting. This discussion kind of ties into one of our questions as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of kind of lacing some questions into our news this week. But 
Um, we had a question from Griffin962 who says, do you pay much attention to in-depth analysis and critique of other video games to learn from the successes and failures of other games? Mm-hmm. This is what we were talking about yesterday, Adam, with regard to an information theory. Uh, right. Yes. So, so this, right. so before we hit that kind of the, the connection here is, is the idea that uh, one of the big reasons for the, the curation change is that I think Valve recognizes that they are, they have, historically have been unable to find a way to recognize whether a game is going to be successful. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and the classic example is Stardew Valley. Yeah. This is a, they had no fucking idea that that yeah. was going to go boom. Yeah. Well, and they, they knew it would do pretty, pretty, well, pretty good. Right? I mean, it's, but, a, it's a well-constructed game, but right? like but that thing went bonkers. It went ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. so, so the idea here is uh, even somebody like Valve who has information like in-depth information about, almost every aspect of a game's uh, launch, right? Uh, they they cannot figure out what makes a game succeed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so the question there is, uh, what's the value of listening to critique of other games and analysis about what works and what doesn't work and that kind of thing? When nobody actually knows. When nobody actually knows. Yeah, well, yeah. I think that's, that's the follow-up point, yeah. which is, uh, and we, we talk about this with the launch of Crashlands, where when we said we were going to launch on all three platforms simultaneously, everyone told us no. We said, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that. It's going to be bad. You're going to cannibalize all your sales. And You're specifically, gonna- the phrasing that we kept hearing was, nobody does this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which-, which isn't really a good reason not to do it. It's just, the question is, has someone done it and it sucked really bad? Yeah, because if, if somebody <laughs> says, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do this, it's not going to work, nobody does this. Well- it, if you say nobody does it, then you can't say the first couple How would things. you know? It's because you can't know if it doesn't work. Yeah. So Adam, walk us into this information yeah. cascade. So I, I've been reading this book called uh, Algorithms to Live By, which is, it starts off a little a little rocky, but it gets really good as, mm-hmm. as you get into it. And and it's been kind of fun because it's basically this, uh, this group, this couple of writers, I think, uh, who have been just talking to lots of computer scientists and saying, can you just walk us through some thing that you're an expert in, some computer science idea, and how we can apply that to just life decision making, mm. right? Is the, drunk, been, is the drunken walk in there? Not yet. I'm, I'm about three quarters of the way <laughs> okay. through, so I haven't, haven't hit that one yet. Um, but the fun thing about it is that uh, is that we make a lot of our decisions it turns out that a lot of the decisions that we're making actually just have a, a basis in, in computer science that we just didn't know mm-hmm. were there. And, and discovering that kind of clarifies thinking, which has been really interesting. In particular, and related to this, is this idea of an information cascade. Sounds right? cool. And uh, it sounds cool, but also once you know what it is, it seems to have nothing to do with what it's called, really. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, but I was, I was uh, kind of thinking of that when you explained it yesterday. <laughs> I was like, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I get it, but I don't get why it's called. <laughs> right. What is it? And, uh, and it does have a very specific, like computer science you know, definition with all this, you know, proofs and all kinds of stuff. But, but the gist of it and how it applies to, to real life is that there's this really interesting problem that comes from the case where you have multiple people who are all trying to make the same decision. So for example, when do we launch a game? Yeah. When do we launch a game or should we launch the game on, all, on multiple platforms at mm-hmm. once? Right. And the, they have access to their own private information about that. So basically Meaning, things that I know that you don't know. Or and vice versa. Yeah. Or not even necessarily that you don't know. Just there are things you know. Right. right? Correct. There are things you know about it. And I don't know what you know. Mm-hmm. Right. I might know the things that you also know. I just don't know that. I know you don't things. know right. that right. you know that. Sure. Exactly. Right. So yeah. it gets, it's a little weird. Right. But, but the idea is that the private information is just stuff. I just don't know what you know. Right. 
So, so as us as Butterscotch Shenanigans, as a studio, that's the thing we did. We launched the game on all these platforms, right? Which means people looking from the outside are going to say, we don't know what made you decide to do that, except we talk about it on the podcast. But no, <laughs> normally you would have literally no idea. You would just see us launch a game on a bunch of platforms at once. And even though we do talk about it and we talk about that decision, we don't talk at all about all of the factors that went into that. Mm-hmm. There are many more than what we've actually just said, right? So people looking from the outside are going to assume that we know things right. that they don't know. Right. Or, or again, it's not even that. It's they don't know what we right. know, right? right. They, they don't know the, the reason we made those decisions. <laughs> so what that means then is that if you're if you're all tr- in the same space trying to make the same decision, you have basically what, what people do is they infer somebody else's private knowledge based on what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got a good time for this. Right. right? So so you gotcha. see, you see you're you're some other studio, you see us launch a game, you see that it does fine, right? And we launch it on, on all platforms. So you look at that and you say, Hey, launching all platforms can make you successful. We're going to do that same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and but it might actually be the case that this was a bad decision and this was actually the worst possible outcome, et cetera. And right. we might actually have the information that would allow us to find that. You know, there's all kinds of stuff, and nobody else has done it, you know, et cetera. But but the best you can do is just look at what somebody else has done and try to infer why. Try to infer yeah. what. So they you knew. look at what somebody else did. You look at what you believe to be the outcome, and then you try to make a decision. And then right. try I'm gonna, to yeah. I'm going to wrap this into the Great British Bake Show. Okay, okay, right now. <laughs> right? So they have a technical challenge, the second challenge every every episode, where they get a new recipe that they've never seen before. Most of the time they have no idea what the what it's even supposed to look like or taste like or anything. And they get these vague directions they have to build it. And usually there's like one person in the room who has built one before or like knows what to do. And there's this thing that always happens where they're working on something and then people are people are looking around, right? So yeah, they're, they're trying to they're figure looking, out who, has, figure out who yeah. people, people look the for the most do. confident person in the yes, room. Exactly. And they're like, they're like, okay, she's so she's like baking that for an extra 10 minutes. Oh God, do I, should I bake do it? Do I need to do that? Right? No, I don't think she's right. I feel like it's going to be dry if she does that. And then they're like, oh, and then they make a decision based on that. Yep. To the point so they're where, not looking at the recipe. No, they're looking, they're looking at what, at what somebody else is right. doing. With but the you don't know why is, they're doing it. Exactly. Yeah. The assumption yeah. is that they're doing something different because so, they know because something. Because they know something. But then here's the inevitable outcome. Yes. Right? The inevitable in outcome the show. Yeah. <laughs> is that, it, because it's, it's about confidence, right? Yep. And so as soon as somebody makes a, you know, a confident decision, so in this case, cook something for an extra 10 minutes, mm-hmm. right? And somebody else now looks at that who is not confident. If they are not confident in their private information, then they're going to infer that that other person is Knows, acting on better information. That, that that person is confident because they have. Exactly. Not just and for so, no reason. Right. And right. so they're going to go now do the same thing. The moment they do that, then the amount of confidence that everybody else needs to keep doing what they were doing goes up. Goes up. Because everybody's like, wow, these two people yeah. are yep. both doing the same you can thing. See, I'm telling you, I'm watch not, the show. Yeah. It's in there. It's great. This is so yeah. funny. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, well, it's like, it is the inevitable outcome of any group dynamic. This, right? this also reminds me of that, that line experiment where it's a, it's a social psychology experiment where they get you get a group of five people together where four people are plants and one person is the subject. Yeah, right, right. And they show, one, yeah. Yeah, they show you three lines on a screen where two of them are super long and one of them is clearly like half as long as the others, right? right. And then you go down the row and you ask, uh, you ask the people like which line is the longest and all the plants say that the shortest, clearly shortest line is the longest <laughs> one. And then more than half the time, yeah. the the subject will just agree with the group because they don't, they feel like everybody else will seems very confident about right. this. There must be something they're missing. Just even though casket. I like, yeah. even though I can clearly see right in front of me that this line is half as long as the others, 
why would the other four people <laughs> say that it's longer yeah, unless that, it actually is and yeah. I'm missing something? So, but here's right? the crazy part is, you know, you do that and then now all of a sudden that person, when they see a longer, a shorter line, they're going to now think that it's the longer line, right? Yeah. Must now, be. But, the, <laughs> but the reason this Maybe is important. Maybe I just have some kind of a deficiency when it comes to line measurement. <laughs> right. But the reason this is important is because this is also, this is a runaway process. So it's not only that you bring everybody to, to one outcome. But now, because nobody's actually confident because everybody knows they're missing information, right? Which means now, now say you're that first person who baked the thing for an extra 10 minutes, right? right? And then everybody else did it too. You don't know why they all did it too, right? Right. It turns out they did it because you did it. But now you're extra confident in that decision that you've made because everybody like, else did it, right? I did the right thing. And yeah. then now all of a sudden a tradition is born. Yeah, yeah, this is nobody, just, this is just the nobody way we knows do why, <laughs> but everybody feels like it's the right thing to right. do. And now anybody else coming into the system sees what everybody else did and they do the same thing because that's mm -hmm. the way you must, that must make sense, right? And so on. Uh, and depending on what the process is, some of these processes are like, take like uh, the example that they give in the book is in trying to, uh, try to put bids down on an oil, on a place where people are going to want to dig oil mm. up, right? And basically every company has done a survey, but surveys are, are really unreliable. Private. Okay. Yeah. And they're all private, Right. right? So nobody actually knows how much is there and everybody mm. has different information about how much is there, but now it's a bidding war, right? So the moment that somebody is really confident there's a lot there and bids a lot, then it everybody nuts. else starts to believe it is too. Because right. they don't want to miss out on the great stuff. Right. That and now they're, and now everybody's only bidding because everybody else is bidding and they start bidding higher and higher and higher, even though now none of it is based in the reality at all. Right. And that's the key is that, is that the, for processes where, where mm. the outcome can continue to change, right. then just the fact that everybody's playing this game continues to change the outcome and, and it moves it further and further and further from the reality that the original thing was supposed to be based so on. So where do you see this intersecting with, you know, making games and launching well, things it, inter it intersects everywhere with every business decision. Well, every time there's a group of people with asymmetrical information yeah. making decisions where they can see each other's decisions. Right. Right. Anytime that happens, there's a pot, there's a, a distinct possibility, a problem. I would say it's probable yeah. that people are not making decisions purely based on the information they have. No, and we all, and we all know, or at least you better know that you have incomplete information. Yeah. So of course you don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so you try to fill the gaps of your knowledge with other people's actions and then but other people's everybody, actions don't actually have anything other, to do yeah, with but, yeah, Other people are doing the same thing with you. Yeah. Right. And so ultimately <laughs> yeah. everybody just does random shit basically. <laughs> Uh, well, that no, it's, not, actually, it's not random. It's that they're doing the information that they're using is now the actions that are decoupled from reality right. of, of other people. Right? right. So now you just, you're decoupled from reality. entirely. So any market, any, uh, any industry, any, any industry, industry knowledge actually would be really heavily likely to yeah. be a product. The same thing with yeah. like the stock market and all these things. Right. Yeah. Which is why, yeah. And I'm, when I, when I started, uh, studying finance, it was just, it was, you know, coming into it, I was like, oh yeah, like stocks have prices because they have a certain value, right? No. Uh, but then when you, when you <laughs> learn about, when you learn about finance uh, and how the prices of stocks are estimated, you learn that there's a layer of like 30 assumptions that goes into each valuation. Mm -hmm. And then those assumptions are just taken as a given, yeah. right? And then other analysts will look at, at, you know, the, the other analysis that's been done on a stock and they'll go, well, all these other analysts are making this set of assumptions. That seems like, that seems, I mean, they must know something, right? right, right like, yep. why is everybody else the assuming? said this. Yeah. And so then, like, everything is just based on. Yeah. So I guess with, of, so with regard to how, so back to the question, with regard to how we look at other games and other game launches or whatever else, um, how would you say we approach that? Well, we, we try to, as much as possible, base our decisions on what seems like it would make sense mm -hmm. 
not what on other people have done and, uh, and not even necessarily on what the data that we can come up with shows, because the, the thing is that data behaves the same way that people do in this context, right? Mm-hmm. Is you, when you see data, you just see the outcome, right? It's, it's, it's decoupled from reality in a lot of ways. And you don't know all the ways in which it has been decoupled. You don't know all the assumptions that went into it. You don't know who, who got it. You, and there's a lot of stuff that you don't know unless it's ridiculously well annotated and it literally never is. Right. There's, there's so, there's, so so it's every time you look at data, data is the same problem. It's actually asymmetric. The data is the public information, right? But there's hidden private information behind it. The private information, which is actually the world, right? And how it works is actually what you care about, but those things are decoupled. So well, even- yeah, and, and the data also is going to be missing so many things. Like for example, if you launched, if, if Stardew Valley, uh, you know, launched a year later, yeah. we don't, we don't know what that would have meant. Yeah. Right. It uh, might've done 10 times better or 10 times worse or exactly the same. Yeah. Or even if it Who launched knows? a week later, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe it would have launched at the same time as some huge, uh, triple a game that just completely took over steam and all of a sudden it just yep. didn't get the traction mm-hmm. that it needed, you know, or maybe it wouldn't compete with the triple a game anyway. So if it had, it would have been fine. Yeah. Right. And cause there are, I mean, there are all these assumptions that you, you go read that people have been making such as if you launch your game in competition with a triple a game, then you're going to have a bad launch, right? Mm-hmm. Which may or may not be true. Nobody's tested it on purpose in a, in a broad scale. And even if they had, how would you actually know how to interpret the data? Because again, you don't actually have access to their private information. And even if you so did, you, so you just can't what would you know. do with it? You just can't know, which we've said before too. Yeah. <laughs> you just literally can't know. And so instead of worrying all the time about what other people are doing and whether you're making the right move based on what they're doing. Um, just ignore them. Yeah, just think about just think about what seems <laughs> well, to make the most sense. It's always it's good to because we do when we do market research, for example, we might say how did how is it how is it that a lot of the games that have been hits have approached their like marketing run up? For example, we did this a few weeks ago. And we get this big list, but it's mainly it's not necessarily to tell us what to do. It's mainly about generating ideas. Yeah. For us about how we could approach, if that makes sense. Right. We're not trying to well, get a recipe. We're trying to say, right. oh, cool, they did this. They did this thing. It had this outcome, it seems like. Or they had this, you know, Twitter event or whatever else, or they used a bunch of social media or, you know, they ran a uh, collectibles campaign before they launched or whatever else. Uh, there's a lot of ways to approach it. And I think it's it's more, it's more only mainly but, but about- But when you said earlier about, and it had this outcome, that's the problem is you, we actually right. don't know any of the outcomes of any right. of the actions that people have taken. Right. And we can't, there's just no way. We don't, we don't know how any of the things they did impacted their success. There's, there's no way to yeah, get well, that. All, all we can do is look at the, we can look at the total accumulation of the publicly visible stuff that they did. Mm-hmm. And then we can right. look at a rough estimation of some outcomes, right. but we don't know and how, you can, yeah, you can dig for We don't know how accurate any of those things are. Yeah. We also don't know how they connect. Right. Yeah. So, so, so even digging like, for correlations, because you're going to find spurious correlations all the time. Adam, just, it sounds like we need your talk that you're supposed to give at GDC. They didn't, they didn't want it. Yeah. Adam, so now Adam we'll just, we'll just a, use that private information ourselves and for our podcast. Yeah, Adam week. submitted a GDC talk called what? Everyone is wrong. Everyone, everyone is wrong. <laughs> Subtitled about, all of the time. I thought it was every, <laughs> everyone is wrong about everything all of the time. That might've been yeah. that. <laughs> that subtitle was key though. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so this is just really important though, when you're trying to make decisions about stuff is, uh, you know, you gotta, and it's, and it's not to say like, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. That's not it at all. Mm-hmm. It's think about the kind of the rational course of things, g- given what you feel like you're allowed to know. And like, and just pay attention to what your assumptions are. So you know where you have wiggle room and, and all of that and just do the best you can try to understand how people work, try to understand how markets work, you know, do, do all of that stuff, but then know that in the end you just have to make a decision and go for it mm-hmm. and, and see what you get. Um, because I mean, it is, it is the case that even though 
you know, we don't know what makes a good game that people like and that kind of thing. So like we wouldn't read a review for that, but we might read a review to find out what do reviewers complain about? Yep. Because if we can keep that out of our game, if we can keep reviewers happy. Yep. Then, that's then it's good. <laughs> but we don't know. But it might actually not matter, but it's going to certainly going to be better. It didn't matter probably. for No Man's Sky. Right. So, <laughs> right. but it is probably one of the most be successful better. indie game. Actually, probably, yeah, probably, yeah. probably in like the top three most successful indie games of all oh, yeah. time. Yeah. But here's a question What if it had matched the hype? Yeah. How much more successful could it have been? Probably yeah. not that much more. Yeah, I mean, there seems it like it was incredibly it seems successful. Like <laughs> it wasn't yeah. as successful as like so maybe a theft f- auto. Maybe a fun challenge for, for this week because uh, we're getting into the hot duck challenge. Hot duck, cha- hot, duck. duck. hot duck. Yeah. But um, maybe a fun challenge for this next week for podcast listeners is to. Keep your eye out and look look for an instance where maybe something in your life, whether it's on the Great British Bake Show or something at work or yeah. with your family, might be due just to an information cascade. Where nobody actually knows anything. Yeah. And everybody's- I'm it, it's every, like, when I was- Once you see it. Yeah. Back when I was a scientist, I would every, I would ask people this question, I guess when I was, when I was actively doing what people science. would call science would be more specific- <laughs> Uh, what I would, I would be doing these experiments and we'd have, we'd have these protocols, right? So I could go to the internet, you put up a protocol for say like heat shocking yeast so you can put genes into them, for example. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've all been So there. there's, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's, <laughs> a, there's, a, Saturday. there's an established protocol for this. But of course, if you do a Google search and kind of see what the people have done, there is something like a million variations on the mm-hmm. general theme. And, and you sit down and you, and you look at that and you look at where things vary and then you just ask like, why? Why is it this way? How come I can use re- this reagent instead of this one? How come I could do it at this temperature instead of this one? And whatever. And the thing is like, it turns out it just doesn't matter and nobody knows. But if you talk to any one person who has a protocol, they just fucking swear by that protocol. Yeah. It's really specific. It has exact times and numbers. And they're like, and you're like well, Steve seems real confident about this. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> I'm like, go ahead yeah. and do that. Well, yeah. And the thing is like, as I was, you know, I was trained by other people. And the protocols that I had were the protocols that they had that I, you know, might've tweaked a tiny bit over time and so on. But still like, those are the ones that I would swear by, but somebody else would swear just as hard that something else also worked as fine. It was because they'd be like, fuck this works. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it is because we, we didn't they take, swear by it. Yeah. yeah. Like what would, what would be the point in us now doing a thousand versions of that same thing to test every kind of thing to see which one's right, actually working. Well it works. Right. Move but on. the key is though that we don't know why, but yet we still swear by that thing, right? And insist that it is the best, mm. the best and most important thing. And just like this is how it is. So that's actually how. So if you think traditions don't live in science, like science is built on traditions. Yeah. Every protocol. That well, we everything. Use, everything everything is, related to humans needing to know things. And it's because of information cascades. Yeah. It's just the way we do things. Yeah. You know. But even if I was actually listening to, a, I think it was a podcast episode. They were talking about. Or actually, no shit. It was the same book again, wasn't it? It was the same book. They were talking about this problem of of uh, the inevitable out- outcome of competition. So, say like you're in a small town, they have a couple competing stores, right? Mm-hmm. If they don't, if they're not both open all of the time, then basically they steal each other's customers, right? Right. So they either have to be all open all the time or have a truce. But now there's a strong incentive for somebody to break that truce mm-hmm. all the time, right? So it's an unstable equilibrium. But all you have to do is impose some third party authority that prevents that from happening, right? And so there's an argument that this is actually the origin of things like the Sabbath and that kind of stuff, like the day of rest, is to have that third party enforcement to allow people to actually not work and be healthy and that kind of stuff. Huh. Because there was no other way to do right, it. Because it's a runaway can't. system. Yeah, right. it, it is it is guaranteed <laughs> to be a runaway system. Otherwise you just that's where crunch comes from. Right. And so, so there's, so there's, there's, there's this argument that actually a lot of these origins of traditions and especially ones that are religious based, right. Or religion based because religion is the ultimate third party, mm-hmm. right. Where right. it says like, I will literally just murder you out of existence. If you don't do what this rule right. you'll says, be right? smote. Yeah. You'll be smitten. Sm- 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 <laughs> sm- is that quite right? It's not quite right. 
but, uh, but yeah, but the idea that, love, not work. <laughs> the idea that is that uh, there are all these things that we do because of the, that there are these rules written in these books, right? That the reason that they have hung on and been so successful is because they allow us to break out of what would always be these runway information systems. cascades that are runway huh. systems. So they kind of force you to step back and reevaluate. Yeah. But, but we don't think about it. We don't realize that that's why we're doing it. Just do it. We just do it. And it's yeah. like, I was going to say, everybody else is doing it. They, yeah. they must know something. <laughs> right. And we talk about this a lot with like self-help things yeah. and that kind of stuff. It's the same kind of deal. Like somebody tells you, just go do this, right? L- you know, write your three pages of morning longhand, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Right. They're telling you to do a thing and swearing by it because it does work. Right. Or meditation, like all these kinds of things. It does work. But the question is, what is it actually doing? If you mm-hmm. t- now take that step back and ask, what the hell is this thing actually doing? And then just do that, whatever it is. Like, find. Can I get at this? Can I get it in some better. other way? Uh, and now all of a sudden, you're not. You're no longer just following a tradition. You're now understanding actually some fundamental thing about the world, and then you get to exploit that and potentially much more. Right. Though to be fair. Ways. Most of us are too busy doing things to be able to think about everything. Well, the thing is, it. that's the other value of them, right? Yeah, it's is an information just, shortcut. Yeah, you just use traditions to yeah. get stuff done, and then when it really matters for some reason, right. then you step back. Then you can step back. Cool. All, All right, right. So, so look at, be so on the, the lookout. Yeah. So the challenge. So then the challenge, the podcast challenge yeah. for this week is find to, an information cascade. Yeah. Find an information cascade. What's the name of this challenge? Just in general, or this specific? Don't go this, chasing waterfalls. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> challenge right? <laughs> look for an information look for a look for a thing that you're doing or somebody else is doing mm-hmm. should we have should we have people submit this as, as a podcast yeah if you yeah. find if you find something interesting a podcast yeah. question or submit Twitter, it. Yeah. we'll keep an eye out submit it um yeah because this, this is interesting all right let's talk about the hot right. duck so the hot duck challenge i i like the fact that we're doing these challenges it's all fun. Of a sudden. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the hot duck challenge came from last week where the challenge was to turn to decouple yourself from distractionary items like uh, notifications on your phone. So just turn them off just straight up all mm-hmm. the way for every app mm-hmm. so that your phone can never vibrate at you and interrupt you from doing things um, to uninstall uh, applications like Twitter or Reddit or anything you know, where you just scroll basically any, mm-hmm. anything, anything <laughs> where you get a sort of a subtle, Actually, yeah. where you get subtle sprinklings of information yeah. that is generally shallow and has no context or meaning and that you just do it for a brief dopamine drip. Right. Uh, so that was the the hot duck challenge yeah. from last week, and we got a couple podcast questions about it as well. But do sure. we want to talk about it first? About yeah. So all so because Adam was already doing it, so mm-hmm. I started it last week. Um, and so the hilarious thing was that immediately afterwards, uh, after we wrapped up the podcast last week, Adam and Andy went to the grocery store to go grab lunch meat and stuff. And of course, Adam was like, "All my notifications are off." So Inclu- I wanted- including the ability for people to call you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is the one place where this is problematic which is that i wanted some cheetos for you it was and adam <laughs> was at the me. grocery store and i was just wanted like a 99 cent bag of cheetos mm-hmm. and i couldn't get a hold of him and i called andy but andy's phone was downstairs here in the office and so i had to go get my own goddamn cheetos yeah so that was that was the only downfall i've seen except it. you know <laughs> but again you, it was it wasn't a downfall though because for the person who set the notifications it worked perfectly because i saved 99 I mean, cents adam's life was great i i didn't have to go looking for cheetos and like, of course, it wouldn't have bothered me had I done it. Right. Right. But having to not have had to have worried about that, like that probably improved my life a little bit. That but day. also, you didn't really need those Cheetos. I yeah. mean, <laughs> your life is better because I, mean, really, I think you wouldn't got them. Anyway. I wouldn't got really, Cheetos. But really, I mean, you were you were acting on an impulse. You're just like, I got a craving for junk food, yeah. basically. You were basically yeah. just acting on another dopamine drip that you were then trying to enact. <laughs> don't you, don't you go there, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> 
you're just enacting it you, through. You keep my Cheetos out of this. The dopamine drip you wish that I still so had. So really, on. yeah, yeah. But you were, you guys. Anyway, so the, <laughs> but the important point is, so so I did it. So that's true. This is healthy for everybody around you. But yeah. I did do it for the rest of the week. Um, and it's been interesting. So I think I, cause I mentioned to you guys that time simultaneously moved slower and faster. What I mean by that is, uh, I was able to do basically more stuff with more clarity in a shorter amount of time. And I felt better period. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the things I did that I got, uh, got the YouTube music app. And so I would just listen to music instead of, uh, you know, browsing around Wait, on there's the internet. There's a YouTube music app. Yeah. If you have YouTube Red, you can. Just is that music. different than Google play music? Yeah, I don't know what Google's doing. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so so Google Play Music. So I just yeah, I just committed because I my my un, my annoying habit is uh, is Imgur, not Reddit or anything like that, but Imgur. So that was my thing. I was like, I'm not going to well, get on that. It, one. It's basically what Reddit is. I it mean, is it's just thing. a shortcut. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. so it was it was really good actually. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think the 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 only thing as far as being able to be connected to by people on occasion was short was a. Uh, problematic but um but it was also nice because it gives you the opportunity to like whenever you look at your phone then you actually go do the thing you're trying to do and that was the nice thing for me actually from having all the notifications turned off because i could actually go google something without getting pulled away yeah without looking at something yeah. else <laughs> so, or, or added something to your to-do list yeah, or, or i could whatever, just go yeah. i'd be like oh i'm gonna go check my phone now and then i'd go do that on purpose on purpose instead right. of your instead of your, instead phone. Of your yeah. phone checking you yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is what happens. so so yeah, yeah i did feel a lot more deliberate which was nice um but yeah that's, that's, that's my take. It's pretty good. My yeah. hot take on the hot. Me nut. too. It's the same. Cool. Same, all right. What's same the question? All <laughs> question uh, comes. First question comes from 30 extra. Ooh, that's very extra, uh, extra of yeah. what? I, I don't know. <laughs> There's just 30 more of it than a what more. a normal person would yeah. have. Mm-hmm. So 30 extra says I have a counterpoint regarding your dismissal of TV. So we did. We threw TV in as well as being a thing. Yep. Um, really kind of number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wouldn't you say there are select shows that require active viewing and even make important social commentary? Hmm. Don't we see a bit of ourselves in the characters? To me, that seems valuable. Oh yeah. So, so I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say that, you know, reading a book that is, you know, of interest and good to you is bad or that we're not saying you should just be working all the time. It's an important note. Um, it's just about being deliberate. So if you're, if you just crash in front of the TV, literally you just sit down and turn on the TV. Well, importantly with the commercials. Yeah. With commercials and everything. Um, even without you just, I mean, like if you, if you're not, it's about deliberate being deliberate, right? That's literally it. So, so if it's a case that you're like, I'm going to watch show X. So, for me, the great because British I Bake relate show. to the characters and I believe it makes an important right. social commentary. Or because like this, this show just makes me feel good. The Great British Bake Show is just like somehow the most relaxing thing on the planet. But so that's the dangerous one though. That one you got to be careful about when you make a decision. Well, yeah, but I, I only yeah. watch it with my wife. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got and some other system, but it, but the reason can't be it makes me feel good because that's just a dopamine drip. That's that how you get into it. So we talked about this though with the, uh, with the constructive vegging, right? Last week as well. Someone asked about what about vegging out? Do you guys have veg time? Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's just about being deliberate. I'm, I'm not going to be, I don't want to sit down in front of the computer and just scroll through images on Imgur. But if it's the case that I'm, that I want to go sort of just like relax for a bit, then I'll either like take a bath, go work in the yard or watch the Great British Bake Show. Those are the things I do to get that particular calmness. So I think it's, it, it wouldn't be correct to say that you like, you shouldn't be, you know, acquiring whatever it is that you need with regards to those things. It's just, it's just about being deliberate about it. Yeah. Right? Well, it's, Isn't it? it's the same idea as... As uh, if you if you want to be a writer and do be like be a really weird one that does all kinds of crazy like E. E. Cummings 
mm-hmm. right? Does really weird shit. You can't get away with that until you also really know the rules really well. Right. So that what yeah, because, you're doing- because it's, I think you're, you tend to take the path of least resistance over time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you so if your three hobbies are, or like gardening, taking a bath mm-hmm. uh, or watching this TV show, um, there's, I think there's two, there's two issues. One is the episodes will run out. Yeah. Right. And now you got to feed that drip somehow. Yeah. Now you got to find, now you find it, you find another thing gets slotted into the void, Mm -hmm. but also watching the TV show is the most instantly gratifying and also lowest effort activity. And also the easiest to transition into an even worse activity. Exactly. Of watching some other show. So, so it's basically, it's that that, it's not, it's not that it's bad. (laughs) In and of itself, right. it's that you have to recognize how to control. But isn't it? Because what's the worst thing that gardening cascades into? Like from this whole like you know being thinking. You and just get so fucking many cucumbers, <laughs> right? Well, no, I think like but it's, it's about yeah, it's the question of being deliberate again. I think I think sure. it's, it's literally it. But so but if you're not good at being deliberate, which is the whole point of all of this, yeah, right. Well, then the point, you should not put yourself in a situation. Correct, but the the difference is between. Uh, between simply, you know, setting like sitting yourself down to watch TV broadly, just just TV just to go watch the TV for like three hours is, I think, very different from sitting down to watch like Game of Thrones or like this person's talking about watching a particular thing for a particular reason with a person. Yeah, with a person, oftentimes, or even you know the um, you know going like going to see a particular movie or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I do, I would not wager that those are wastes of your time or bad for you in that sense. I think it's it, you're on that line of being deliberate, and that's just a thing. It's just it's just how like anything could be bad for you. Well, it's, but here's the question: I think because I think you're kind of because why can't we just sometimes deliberately waste time? Because I think what you're you trying can. to do is you're trying to say like this isn't a waste of time. I'm just saying it is. I'm not saying. You can't waste time. I'm just saying. No, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's exactly what I'm saying is that you can deliberately do things that are just for you to just not do a thing. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we're getting at. Yeah, for can, me, for me, that's still just bad. In what mm. regard? Like, mm. it just in what fucking regard? I mean, like like, you're clearly the, offended by this, which is why like you're so passionate about the, this British bake-off show. Right. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I think it's the idea that, that, taking time to relax is a waste is well, like no, a waste the, of time. No, 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 no. Seems this very is, puritanical this, to me. No, no, it's because you just keep on defining, you just keep on redefining relax. Okay. Right? Well, let's, let's, redefine, right now, let's, let's you define re- some things. You've defined relax could mean taking a bath, doing gardening, or the thing that we keep on saying you shouldn't be doing, which is like just sit down and watching TV. Right. And then you've tried to define a very specific, specific circumstance of watching TV that makes that okay. Because you want this it to is exactly okay. the podcast question is exactly. Yeah. That's so exactly what? So yeah. my point well, is, let me get to that. Uh, there's another question, which is why podcasts are fine. Uh, yeah, by Flavin, mm-hmm. inspired by episode 91. Mm-hmm. I purged Twitter and my RSS reader, but while podcasts got a special okay from Adam, yeah, the arbiter. Why are they? No, no, no. <laughs> wait, wait. While well, podcasts got a special okay from Adam, why are they any better? When I do a boring task, so like yard work, washing the dishes, washing dishes or mm-hmm. mowing the lawn or something. The familiar voices in my ear give me a dopamine drip. Am I training my brain to never be bored? Yes. I actually turned off podcasts this weekend. In, in, oh, in, shit. In response to this question. Because I, 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 I saw that question last week and I was like, that's right. I am being inconsistent. So I was like, okay, I'm going to turn off my podcasts. And I, on, on Sunday, for the first time, and I don't even know how long, I like went and did chores for the day without having podcasts on or doing anything. I was just doing chores. So I went out and I did five hours of yard work. Mm-hmm. 
podcast free, just like just me in the world, you know, doing doing yard work and thinking about stuff. Um, it was fantastic. It so really so it would be, and then but the, the weird thing was because normally like the moment I go do a thing, the trigger in my brain, I'm like, oh, I need to get a podcast running. Like that's that's just hmm. the default in my brain. Uh, at the end of that day, I went to go like brush my teeth or something. And again, habit is like turn on a podcast, right? I got, br- I got like eight well, seconds brush to brush your teeth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I well, got like a whole well, minute here. Getting ready for the yeah. evening, right? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, so I'm like up and ready to do that. And I, I turn on podcast and I was like, I don't want to listen to this. And I just turned it back off. <laughs> like I got, a, I got away from it just enough that I was like, actually, yeah, this isn't. This really is why I'm wondering, right? maybe there's, maybe we have a difference because I don't listen to podcasts constantly. I also very rarely watch TV shows. So I'm wondering if the difference is essentially it's a balance question, right? It's always a balance question. It's always that's what I'm trying to get at. Well, it's I like, would yeah. So the I, idea that it is categorically wrong for you to no, but, listen but, to podcasts, but it's also just watch. Yeah, it's not that's categorically. Book, it's not you know wrong. I mean? There's not like an ethical moral. Well, I mean, here, right? but we calling it a waste of time. You are injecting. There's a judgment. There's a judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, but the thing is, I I still waste time sometimes mm-hmm. by listening to podcasts or watching a TV show or whatever, right? And I don't then go back and look at that time and be like, I wish that I hadn't wasted time. Therefore, I'm just going to decide that that wasn't a waste of time, right? I can look back on it and just comfortably say, yes, I wasted some time right there. That's fine. That's a thing I do from time but to time. But I think that's that's the thing is that the definition is weird to me, right? Because like if you're, because you're, you're extracting some value out of it, right? No, I'm like, really not. That's, that's the whole problem. Like at the time I'm getting, I'm getting that, I'm getting that <laughs> dopamine drip, right? It's like, it's to me, it's the, the value comes in, in the long-term impact on my brain. Right. Okay. And that doesn't mean I have to like learn something fundamental or whatever. It just means, do I feel like I'm in a slightly different and better and more interesting place as a consequence of stuff that I have? Well, yeah. Seen, so right? this, but this comes, this comes to the question of, so there's a, there's a book called amusing ourselves to death, mm-hmm. which refers. Seems relevant. <laughs> it comes, it comes from, uh, I think it was written in the late eighties and it is specifically uh. about television but it applies equally today. And it refers to, there's a book called Understanding Media written by Marshall McLuhan in the 60s, mm. which is a very sort of a dense, I tried to read it and I was like, meh. Uh, it's, it's, very, <laughs> it's a very academic kind of dense book uh, full of lots of jargon. But fortunately, lots of other uh, more colloquial academics have picked it up and uh, interpret it mm-hmm. uh, for everybody else. And the basic idea here is, um, the, the term, the media is the message where uh, the, the ultimate thing that you gain from interacting with a form of media is not the content itself, but the manner in which the media forces you to behave to interact with it. Okay, so that's the reason why like, I hate talking to people on the phone because I can't do anything while I'm doing it. Yes, yeah. talking okay. to somebody in person <laughs> is different than talking to oh, somebody on the phone. Yeah, far superior. Um, and so similarly, the idea here is... Uh, is so say like listening to a podcast. Okay. So I would argue like, yes, there are podcasts that have good content. You know, like there's this, yeah. one, there's this one called coffee with butterscotch that's pretty good has these game developers <laughs> and they talk about shit. Um, and some, and I, you know, we do get messages from people who say, you know, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast and I got like, I got inspired to go right. and, and well, yeah. make a game or it whatever. Put you in a, in a slightly better place than you were before you listened yeah. to it. Right. And so, so there's, so there's like sort of listening to that episode of that podcast. That's just a thing that you did one time. Right. If listening to podcasts, period, is a thing that you do, like while you do dishes, right. while and you're that's mowing, the habit while you're that I'm trying to turn off. Right. So, so right. what? But so what? Fundamental that, difference, right? Isn't it? There, there is. Well, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so this, this kind of comes back to the the debate between universally saying a thing is is bad to do, period, versus doing it on purpose for to spe- extract a specific value from it. Right. Right. So, um, so it's about 
controlling it as an action, not as a habit. Yes. Because when it comes to something like television, um, if watching TV is your hobby where you, you come home from work, you turn on the tube Mm -hmm. and then every, every two and a half minutes, somebody sells you bleach for a minute and a Mm -hmm. half. Right. Um, then every 20 minutes you hit next to watch the next episode. Right. Um, then that does something to you in the long term Mm -hmm. because you are something bad. Yeah. Because your brain changes as you expose it to repeated stimuli of different types. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the more you engage in a behavior that has uh, short-term benefits, the more your brain will crave doing that thing. Um, and it becomes more and more ingrained and it starts to become your default behavior where if you, if you reach a decision point where you have to decide whether to do thing a or thing B, uh, if it happens at a certain point in the day where you are tired or whatever, you just don't have the willpower to make that decision, you land in a default state, right? And so, uh, so you come home from work and you think, should I practice guitar or should I watch TV? You don't even ask that question, right? right? Because you're tired. So instead you just do whatever you normally do, mm-hmm. which is that thing. Yep. And so, and then on top of that, the, aside from the habit forming nature of it, uh, the type of media that you engage with changes the way that you think. And so if you, if you're, you know, for three to six hours a day, you're constantly being bombarded with like rapidly changing camera angles, cliffhangers, mm-hmm. uh, cool ass one-liners, intense music, and then randomly interspersed with people trying to sell you stuff every 15 to 30 seconds, then your ability to pay attention to things in the long form changes, right? Mm-hmm. You, you lose that capacity. And so reading things a- don't include that drip. Yeah. So reading a book, uh, if you've, if you've watched TV for six hours a day for a year, reading a book is real fucking hard, right? Right. Because you, you've sort of undone those mental wires mm-hmm. to be able to do that kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, I think a big part of this does come down to the, the interruption concept mainly. That's what it sounds mm-hmm. like because, you know, watching, watching an hour straight of a particular story unfold, for example, given the, the example that 30 extra is giving. Yeah. I mean, um, like being engaged in some. Interesting yeah. I, story. I agree. I, there's no problem with it whatsoever. But I think the whole point here is that there's nuance. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's but, nuance. But here's, Imagine that. But here's, but, but, but here's a position, <laughs> yeah. the position that I take, which okay. is, What's that? which is globally state that these things, you should just stay away from them. Right. Cause that's where you start. Sure. And then from there you get to make an informed, careful, nuanced decision about what actually is important to you right. and why, and be deliberate about it. So that if it is the case, if you, if you've evaluated and you thought something like, okay, I get this social time by watching the great British Bake Off, which I enjoy as a and show. And you get inspiration because, about sweet ass bread. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that show itself <laughs> is a bunch of people not being assholes to each other, which yeah, is pretty lovely. fucking weird. But if you are watching shows where it's just people being assholes to each other, which is all of most of American, American TV, TV. <laughs> um, I'm also going to sit that one. That one is universally bad and there is no nuance. It's just bad. <laughs> that is bad for your fucking brain just to see people be mean to each other yeah. all the time, right? So this kind of thing, if you're like trying to be a better person and you want to see people, but be you're nice, watching the Jersey shore every night, <laughs> right. it's my vice. <laughs> but I want I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I watched the bachelor. What does that mean? Who knows? It's bad for you, man. What does it mean? But it's so good. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think but all bad things are, you know? yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and it, is, and I think it is the case, especially because of smartphones, it's easy to have these things creep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, let's say, cause it used to be the case that when radio first appeared, uh, people would gather around the radio. Yep. Right. And as a family, they were like, they would listen to the a radio one station show. that was available to yeah. you. And there were no advertisements on the radio at the beginning. Yep. Um, and, and the, the big radio networks, uh, 
They like, sold radios. They would literally sell the radios, period. That's how they and made then, money. And then the content was free, mm-hmm. like, and the device itself was the moneymaker. Sort of like how, you know, iTunes and Google Play sell the device, and then they give you all the apps for free. Right, exactly. Um, so so that's that's the way that the model used to be. And so people would, you know, take an, an hour out of their day to gather around the radio and just listen to the radio as a as a family or whatever. Um, and that's, and like the shows would come at a fixed time and they were in a fixed location. Cause a radio was fucking huge, yeah. right? Like it was a big ass gadget sitting in the middle of your living room or whatever. Well, probably on the edge, but still. Um, <laughs> and so now you've got this, the supercomputer in your pocket mm-hmm. and you can listen to podcasts. You can put Netflix on it. You can like, you can, Put you can put a show on there, and like while you're washing dishes, you could set your phone like next yep. to the sink, right. you mm-hmm. know, while you wash your dishes, and you know, be. So the the reason that it's that it's I think important nowadays to start with a hard line stance and then and work backwards, and then work yeah. backwards, and kind of yeah. like make nuanced exceptions on purpose where you're specifically trying to to get value from it, um, and doing it in a focused way. So instead of like I'm gonna like casually listen to podcasts while I brush my teeth, mow the lawn, do dishes. <laughs> yeah. Drive, uh, you know, sweep the floor. I just don't want to be alone. I just don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because because you we're entering a we're entering a world where it is possible to never be alone with your. Yeah, we're already in it. Yeah, Andrew, it's it's full blown, man. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and so it's and it's important to take time to think about shit, and so you you just have to be careful about allowing things to creep because it's Mm -hmm. it's a very short hop and a skip away from from watching the British Bake Show, you know. for like three hours a week to then being like, what else? What are, somebody else recommended this good show. Let's watch that. Right. Mm-hmm. And you do that. And then at some point you put the, you know, Netflix app on your phone or something. And then all of a sudden you can watch stuff anywhere, no matter where you go. Mm-hmm. Right. Slippery stuff. Yeah. There's, there's so, tons of stuff there. Yeah. yeah. And so there's it's, no it's just it. real easy to slide down it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. uh so mm-hmm. I've been purging podcasts and, yeah. uh, and I'm trying to cut it down to the ones that, that I'm, that I'm just thinking about it. I mean, like, what are the ones that are actually like doing something for me? I just well, listened I, to two manager tools. Nice. And how I built this. How I built this is good. Yeah. And I only listen to them while I'm driving here in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And there, yeah, there's some interesting things to think about too, which is, uh, it's like, so for example, you talk about like, you know, listen to a podcast while you do yard work or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over this weekend, you just did yard work. Yeah. Right. And then you come to work on Monday with all these interesting ideas yeah. that you thought of because you were thinking instead <laughs> yeah, right. of listening to podcasts. Because I decided that mowing the lawn isn't boring. It's an opportunity to think about stuff when there's literally no other option. Right. Yeah. But it's also the case that uh, I heard this quote, I can't remember where it came from, but it's that uh, creativity is like breathing. Right. Mm-hmm. You you have to inhale and you have to exhale. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to bring in new ideas from elsewhere. And then you also have to put new ideas out there into mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. So and so it's right. not we're doing a lot of inhaling nowadays. Yeah. We're you not, know? Yeah. You have to exhale from time to time. And I think this, <laughs> but it's also this also means otherwise you get acid blood. <laughs> what? That's true. Yeah, because the carbon true. dioxide builds up. And yeah. then, you, then you turn into an acidman and yeah. then you die. Then you just uh, rot from the inside out. Gross. Yeah. And so I think uh, even, even like taking time, like you do yard work and then, and then go, I'm going to listen to an episode of how I built this and sit down like with the notepad or even better other way around, right? Listen oh yeah. To- listen to it first. Yeah. And then, and then go think then, about stuff. And then like, yeah, if, if you know that you have something coming where you're going to have some like thought time, listen, listen to a good informative podcast first on purpose, just by itself, mm-hmm. get some ideas about the world. Then go take time to think, think about think it. While you do I, it. This is funny because like, I know you guys gave me some shit about getting that uh, 
record player a long time ago. Did I? I, remember. <laughs> but, I just thought it was funny. But yeah, I think I think we were just amused that you got a record. Player. Well, so the funny thing is, though, is, is it is just put like putting on a record and then just sitting down to listen to it. Like, at what point in the last couple of weeks have you have you literally just listened to a thing to music? Right. Instead of like, it's oh, always I'm about to do something. I got to turn that yeah. on as, to fill mm-hmm. my ear holes. And it's a fundamentally different experience <laughs> to actually just, just focus on it as opposed to doing like a billion other things. And something about That's putting it on. weird, isn't it? It is really weird. And something about putting it on like a huge r- plastic disc makes it so you're like, I'm going to pay attention to this. <laughs> yeah. It's part of the ritual, right? It is. Of, yeah. of having things that you have, that you have to work for a little bit. Yep. You know? Yeah. You should yeah. orient your living room so that like, there's a chair that just points at the record player. <laughs> <laughs> Because yep, you can only that's, hear that's it my if you're looking at it. That's yeah. my listening station. Well, no, because it's if you're looking at something else, then you're just going to pay attention to that that's other true, thing. Yeah. You, you have to watch it at, turn. You have to look at what you're paying attention to. <laughs> have you gotten any video game vinyls yet? Uh, a lot of those no, now. I haven't actually gotten any of them. I need to get it. I, need to get I wonder it. if Crypt of the Necrodancer has one. I think they do. Maybe, maybe I should, think there's an FTL one. There's, I should just Crypt get of the a ne- record player and just get the Crypt of the Necrodancer soundtrack <laughs> yeah. and play that. That would yeah. be consistent with my life right now anyway. But yeah, I think it is an uncommon thing to just pay attention to yeah. one thing and then think about it later. Well, actually, so. and I guess we're really out of time. Yeah. So we should, so next, <laughs> next week we should hit the, the, the time tracking thing. Oh yeah. Cause there's, there's kind of a relevant, it's a relevant mm. segue. And I do want to talk about the, the butterscotch time warp, which, uh, after our one-on-ones today, both Monique and Tifa said that they've been they've been time warped severely. So they don't yeah. know what day of the week it is anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm, we're I'm never, never, dude, I don't even know what day. We're the in year full is. production mode, so it's it's yeah, it's we'll like it's about, like you yeah. can hear the neurons crackling, yeah. you know, in the air. Uh, but yeah, so also just one last thing for next week before we talk about time tracking, because mm-hmm. I think if some of our listeners do it, oh, yeah. we'll have some fodder. Ooh, okay, sure. And so we, there's a program that we have been using called Toggle. T-O-G-G-L. T-O-G-G-L. And it is, we, we aren't using it as like enforcing upon each other to like watch what each other are doing. This is all just individual, mm-hmm. like tracking our own time. It's yeah. interesting. Um, it is very interesting. So basically, yeah, it allows you to choose a, like you just say like what project or what it is that you're working on. And then you sort of describe the current activity. You just hit a button and it starts tracking the time and allows you to easily swap between things and stuff like that. And then at the end of the day, Look back and you have an actually clear picture about exactly how much time time spent doing different things. Mm -hmm. And it often rarely aligns with what you feel like you spent your day doing, Mm -hmm. which is really weird. So if you want to kind of get a head start on what we may want to talk about next week, get toggle and just start, you know, tracking your time, pay attention to where your Mm -hmm. time's going. So, all right, you guys, it's all the time we have. Uh, Thank you for listening. And also thanks to Fat Bard, our producer, and Monique, our question organizer and podcast organizer. And uh, we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.